We hear a lot of perspectives on the Mankind Podcast. Inclusion of a guest is not an endorsement of their views, and the opinions expressed here do not always represent the mission or values of the Mankind Project USA. Looks like the rain has gone. Welcome to the Mankind Podcast, where we break the molds of modern manhood to prove to you that there is more than just one way to be a man. Now, you're possibly wondering, why are we here right now? Well, to give you an idea of what this initiative is all about is we are taking the time to talk with mission-driven authors, leaders, and change makers to share their tools and insights to help you better build your identity and find a clear direction in life. So if you're feeling like you're stuck in an outdated mold, possibly confused about what's next in life, or just looking for a dose of clarity in your day, subscribe to the show and join us for the adventure ahead. Now, I am your host, Brandon Clift, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to this, the very first episode of the Mankind Podcast. Now, we couldn't think of a better way to kick things off for the show than with the founders of the Mankind Project themselves. So this episode is for you if you're ever feeling like you have ever had a dream in life that you wanted to bring to reality, but you may have some fears that are getting in the way of taking appropriate action. Or you might have some fears that what actually happens doesn't match your expectations. Well, today, Bill Kouth and Rich Tosi join us, and together, along with fellow founder, the late Ron Herring, you know, these men saw an opportunity to give men of the 20th century a chance at a proper initiation in life. To give you some context, it was the 80s. It was the time of the yuppie where the true measure of a man was predicated on what they drove and how much was in the bank account and the watch that they wore on their wrists. And so when the majority of the male populace at the time were asking the question, how can I gain more status? How can I gain more success? How can I look better in the public eye? These men were asking a very different question. They were asking, where are the real men? Authentic men. Men that are honest, that are true, and that are living their lives and missions. Now, Margaret Mead, the American cultural anthropologist, famously said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. For indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. Well, these three men epitomized those words, and 35 years ago, the Mankind Project was born. So now, having initiated over 75,000 men worldwide through our flagship New Warrior Training Adventure, And with over a thousand men's circles active around the world, we as an organization are steadfast in our mission to give every man a chance at picking up the pen and becoming the writer of their own story. And they get to do this by becoming better fathers, husbands, brothers, sons, and role models through our trainings. Now, the first thing we do whenever a man joins us is we help them discover their life's mission. And so whether you feel like you're standing on top of the mountain of life, triumphant with your fist thrust up in the air, or you're feeling like you're standing at the bottom, looking up, wondering how on earth am I going to climb this thing? This episode will show you just how powerful your impact on the world can be when you have the right mission, regardless of your experience. Enjoy. Bill. Tell us a bit about yourself. Okay. So my name is Bill Kauth. I currently live in Ashland, Oregon, 
But back in the 70s, I, I lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is where I was born. <clears throat> and in the uh, in the 70s, I got into a men's group because the women's movement was powerful that time. And they were putting together all these women's groups. And so we thought, let's have a men's group. And that touched my heart really deep. And because I was in social service, as I was working with men, so I knew that men needed some help. So uh, <clears throat> in the 80s, I, I got a special call to do something for men. And uh, I needed a team because I knew I couldn't do that alone. So my friend Rich Tosi got the call for me to come do something for men. And I heard it just wasn't a, it was a, wasn't just a call. It was a perpetual knock on the door till Rich had no choice, but to open it. Is that right, Rich? <laughs> the the uh, spiritual pest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Rich, tell us about yourself, Matt. Uh, well, I had a, a dramatically different background than, uh, than Bill. I was, uh, I'd spent uh, 10 years in the Marine Corps uh, during the Vietnam era in uh was uh, working as an engineer for GM when uh, the bottom of my personal life fell out. And that's when I met Bill and we ended up doing some workshops together. And he's, he says, you know, you, you, I want to do a men's workshop. And I'm like, why would you want to do a men's workshop? Anyway, um, at, at some point, uh, he convinced me to do uh, a workshop in California, and uh, something something happened uh, at that workshop that uh, it, it's, 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 my soul exploded and said, oh, okay, I can do this. And I, I told Bill at the time, he says, not only can we do one of these workshops, we can do better than this guy who's been, who's been doing it for 20 years and I had like six months experience. So that's, that's a, that's a beginning. Mm. And, and, and since then, of course, for, uh, for those that, that, that may not know the mankind project, since it's, it's, I guess, uh, founding, I guess in 84, then 85, 80, it was a, 85, yeah, January yeah. 85. since January 85, uh, the mankind project has initiated 75,000 men across the globe, over 20 plus countries. And, and now actively we have over 10,000 men sitting in circle in men's circles all around the world, gaining support and, and gaining access to tools to learn how to be better men, better fathers, better citizens, better sons, better brothers and better partners. And, you know, I could go give you a whole slew of examples that I've not only had in my own life where I've been enriched by the mankind project, but also just witnessing other men, on new warrior training adventures, which is our kind of flagship training here at the Mankind Project, but just sitting in circle each week with other men that are endeavoring, endeavoring to be better men. This is just an example of how three men, and, and, and we're, we, we, we mustn't forget Ron Herring, who also was a, mm -hmm. a founding member of the organization who is no longer with us in, in physical spirit and presence that these three men, one of them who you just heard said he only had six months experience <laughs> could create a ripple large enough to impact not just those 75,000, but the millions of lives, the families, the communities, that ripple effect has just been humongous to, to help create the organization we have today. And I want to get, I want to get a little bit into the, you know, some of the reasons that, that, this all came about the reasons that the three of you got together. Um, 
was reading a, a book by Robert Bly called Iron John. And, and I think he released this in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. And one of his... Yeah, not 90. Yeah, one of his statements was, the male in the past 20 years has become more thoughtful, more gentle, but by this process has not become more free. In the 70s, I began to see all over the country a phenomenon that we might call the soft male, in parentheses. Yes. Sometimes even today when I look out at an audience, perhaps half the young males are what I'd call soft. They're lovely, valuable people. I like them. They're not interested in harming the earth or starting wars. There's a gentle attitude toward life in their whole being and style of living. But many of these men are not happy. You quickly notice the lack of energy in them. They are life preserving, but not exactly life giving. Well said. Mm. And he finishes with, ironically, you often see these men with strong women who positively radiate energy. So how did, how much, how much influence did this idea of the soft male influence the three of you to get together and, and, and create this, create a workshop? A great deal because uh, I had been going to, you know, those kinds of conferences with Robert for a while. So I knew he said that. And the other piece immediately after he said that, he said, and men need to be initiated by men, not by women, because mm-hmm. they're already been so influenced by women. And I actually was one of those soft men that, that was married with an astonishingly powerful woman. And so part of my personal journey was to step up to find my own power. And I recognized during that period that the women's movement, the feminist movement was so potent that I became a feminist therapist. I identified myself as a feminist therapist, which meant I had authentic relationships with my clients. And I was invited to the Wisconsin Feminist Biennial Conference. And I could see, I had the eyes to see because I'd done a lot of gestalt. I had the eyes to see evolved people. So like the second or third day, I was standing in the lobby and looking around and go, oh my God, these people, these humans, all these women are so, and damn it, somebody needs to do something for the men. And it was at that point that it was, it was like a divine call came in and just stuck in my heart. And uh, I, I was obsessed from that point on. And I immediately went to find my friend, Ron Herring, who had a PhD in curriculum and had been doing a great deal of gestalt and inner work. And I asked him to join. And he, he said, I don't know what you're talking about, but I got five sons. I'm in. Then I went to Tosi. <laughs> who you know, with his Marine Corps background and worked for General Motors, really a long shot. But we had been doing enough inner work, uh, emotional cathartic stuff. I'd seen his heart. I'd seen his guts. I'd seen his fierceness. I'd seen his tenderness. And he was, you know, he was, I had even forgotten about the Marine Corps. I just wanted this man. And he, you know, he's just told you how he resisted, but finally had a personal breakthrough that allowed him to come in and play with us. So we worked on it for about a, all of 84 and then launched in, um, uh, and in, in 85, in January of 85. And as you said, we didn't, start, yeah, we, we, didn't, we didn't start working on it till October of 84. Right. Right. So isn't that interesting? So if we look at that time frame, you know, Bill, you'd been in it in the work for, you know, a little while, I guess, from one side of, the, of, of, of a spectrum through kind of the feminist movement and, and getting to know people from that kind of energy. Rich, how did you find the work coming from your kind of military background? You mentioned before we started that you were living in Nashville during a lot of the uh, civil rights movements. Yeah. And um, Well, I think it would be, uh, I was, uh, I'm going to say this, 
Um, I was not in touch with, as Bill says, the soft mail or the hard mail. Uh, those concepts didn't didn't have any meaning to me. Um, um, and I wasn't, although I was in Nashville, which was a hotbed of, of racism, I wasn't, I, I was pretty ignorant of what was going on. I really didn't, I really did not understand the depth of uh, racism in, in the South and in, in particular in, in Nashville. Um, my, see if I can track where, where you want me to go here. Um, my involvement uh, was was had more to do with seeing individual men in in the um, the the traps that individual men, including starting with me, uh, had built around our lives, and. Um, it, and and had I had a, a skill to help men see that and then and then work through that, um, but it wasn't I wasn't coming from a I'm going to save the world. It wasn't coming from a place of uh, social justice. It was here's a man in trouble. I I I can I know how to help him. So Bill tended to be the the had the, the larger social construct. One of the well, I'll, I'll stop at that. Yeah. And and I've heard it mentioned, uh, Rich, when you were uh, honoured this year by the Mankind Project or community, um, you know, at the thirty fifth annual, I guess you could oh, say, yeah. celebration of MKP. I, I heard it mentioned that you know between the three of you men that. Uh, you, know, you approach the Mankind Project from a holistic approach of it, you want to impact men on the kind of the brain level, the heart level, and then the soul entirely. And, and I heard it mentioned that Bill was the, the kind of the soul, the, the more fluid energy you got rich, you're the heart, you're the pump. You're the one just like that fierce loving energy that, that I'm sure had a lot of like good warrior energy. But then Ron um, was mentioned to kind of have the, the brain side as well. Can one of you speak to, uh, to Ron's involvement and kind of his background and, and what he brought to the table. Yeah. He had a PhD in, in, in curriculum and was a university professor. So he's really smart, but he also was very, very, very much of a heart guy. He had done a lot of inner work. <clears throat> so he had, he had learned to open up his, his heart and be, to be transparent. So he was a powerful leader and <clears throat> he kind of was almost like the threat. He had the tough part. Like with Tosi and I, I was the soft guy, you know, and Tosi was the fierce, tough guy of the Marine. Mm -hmm. So in this work, it's so, it, when men pop their hearts open, they, they become capable of learning from each other. So I got to learn from the tough guys and the tough guys got to learn from the soft guys. And then we became more mm -hmm. balanced humans. And that's what happens in the integration groups, which are the men's support groups that follow the new warrior training adventure, which is a powerful, intense weekend. And the integration groups allow men to integrate what they've learned with each other and learn from each other mm. over years. <clears throat> mm. Yeah, it's definitely, I can see how the three of you were able to look at, look at it from different perspectives and, and different kinds yeah, of avenues. I think that's, that, that's, that's a, uh, um, 
I think a, a critical point in, in how we evolved uh, was that Bill Ryan and I had unbelievably different perspectives on the world and what, what was right and what was wrong. Mm. And um, I think it was, it, it was the ability to sit together and, and see each other and work through that, that, uh, and eventually created what we, we call the warrior training, but it was, mm. it wasn't uh, like Bill had an idea. He sat down and this is what we're going to do. That that's not what happened at all. It was, yeah. it was, a a well let, you know if you want to call a tough guy a soft guy i think it's much more nuanced than that but it was it was dramatically different ways of dealing with the world that uh and somehow we got together and figured this out and and uh, and the, the drive to help men grow up to help men be better men was there right right from the very beginning uh, even if we didn't articulate it like that. So. And we operated as absolute peers right from the beginning. There was no leader. It's like the three of us came together and we bonded in some way, maybe because we'd done enough inner work that we were able to be with our hearts open with each other and fight if we needed to and cry if we needed to. And we we operated by a kind of a principle of uh, rule by passion. If one of us really said, boy, I know how to do this piece, the others would say, cool, you do it. Let's see how it works. And that allowed each of us to bring our genius forward and synthesize it with each other <clears throat> into the, into this thing that's still serving men for 35 years. Mm. So I, there's part of me that thinks this was channeled, you know, I mean, honestly, we just, it, it feels like a miracle that we, these three goofy guys from the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, were able to get together and allow this thing to flow through us. It's still serving men after so long. Yeah. Definitely, it, it's it's definitely remarkable to see. Just it, what's the uh, I might call on uh, call on you men to remind me the, the Margaret Mead quote that never doubt the uh, never doubt the ability or I'm going to paraphrase <laughs> never doubt the <laughs> ability of a small group of people who you know who want to create change can actually change the world because throughout history that's the only thing that ever had. And I'll, I'll, I'll probably at the end of the show read the actual quote. So I, I do miss me justice. <laughs> but but that's the. That's, I would the, agree with uh, Bill, and I think it's 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 worth saying. And that is that in nineteen late eighty four, when we were putting this together, Bly had not published his uh, his book that was five years in advance. Um, Robert Moore hadn't published his book. So there was there was very, very little out there in terms of accessible men's uh, reading or, or knowledge. Yeah. And the, the, the three of us, as wonderful <laughs> as we were, had very, very limited knowledge of what we were doing. Mm -hmm. um, we did not put together an initiation. We put together a men's adventure, which eventually we found out was like an initiation. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of things, so whether it was channeled or whether there, uh, we don't know, but the three of us individually, collectively weren't smart enough to come up with what we came up with. That's my opinion anyway. 
Yeah, no, it feels it feels archetypal in that way because honestly, we did not know initiation. We didn't even know the word yeah. and until years later. Somebody said, "You guys put together an initiation." We said, "We did." Well, let's take a look at it. Well, okay, sure. The we've got this incredible descent in the early part of it, and then this unbelievable mm. ordeal that just opens men's hearts up, and then the return back to the community. Those are the three parts of of uh, an initiation. We had them all totally built in, just as if it were just came through the universe and, and through us into the world. Well, isn't that interesting that, um, you know, that just through a need, right? you look at how we've innovated as, as a species, it's through problem solving. There was a problem impacting the world. And then a couple of men came together and thought, you know what, maybe there's a solution to this feeling that we're feeling, right. That we're feeling that, you know, it, clearly it, it, it related to a lot of people and it's definitely got this kind of Joseph Campbell-esque feel of the hero's journey, you know, enshrined in all of it, those kind of three phases for sure. I'm curious, what, what, were the kind of, what was the kind of resistance that you guys came across right in the beginning? Because without, you know, the teachings of Bly and, and, and Moore or Gillette, that stuff even today, a lot of people haven't heard. They've maybe felt the impact, but haven't heard of these these authors or, or their writings or their teachings. So I'm curious, what kind of resistance did you guys come up against right at the beginning? Hmm. You know, my sense of the resistance was just the fact that nobody knew what we were doing because we barely knew what we were doing. So we had to invite men to come into this, uh, this training and this support. I, I'd use the word support group and they'd say, well, what kind of sports are you talking about? Like baseball or soccer? No, no, no. Support group. This is men's getting together and, being with each other. So the resistance was just ignorance at that time. But then as Tosi just pointed out, Robert Fly's book called Iron John sold a million copies in 1990. And we already had organically, you know, spread from coast to coast. We had our San Diego group and our, our uh, New York group. And uh, <clears throat> so men, once that book hit, they were hungry. That, at that point, they, they got it. They knew what yeah. they were looking for. And we had it, uh, we had it ready to offer. Mm. Yeah, I'll give you an example of personal resistance. I was uh, I was an engineer working for GM, and for some for some reason, uh, the Milwaukee Journal uh, found out about the uh, the training and our very third training in 19, which was in 1985. A reporter showed up, and uh, he he ended up putting a major article in the Milwaukee Journal. Well. In 1985, and probably still today, GM was ultra conservative. So here's a picture of me uh, carrying a rock in the woods in, in some bizarre, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're helping men. Uh, and and it, it basically, uh, w whatever trajectory I was on, uh, to get promoted. That was like, that, that was the end of that. Wow. I, I was categorized. They knew I was weird, but not. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't fit the mold. Yeah. No, they, so it, it, uh, so I was, uh, um, I was, yeah, to say I was sort of a social outcast within the engineering community. I, I think that was, uh, yeah, that cost me. That cost me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Engineers don't like uh, when square pegs try to get in round holes. That's for no, sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, they liked me, but they couldn't figure me out. So. <laughs> so. 
cool. And so, and so I'm curious, like what have been some of the, uh, you know, coming, cause the thing that comes up for me being, you know, let's just, let's just call it a millennial in, in, in today's day and age where I'm always looking up at these, these people that I put on pedestals that have achieved amazing things, but I put little credence or thought to the journey to get them there. And perfectionism comes in. It's rife throughout so much of the culture of, well, if it isn't going to be perfect, I'm not going to even try. Did you guys ever come across, like, it sounds like you you created this community with this, just this kind of energy of, well, let's just see how it goes. Let's just see what we can create. Was there ever a point that perfectionism got in the way that maybe there were too many fingers in the pie, too many hands on the steering wheel? No, I, you know, I, I was actually just talking with my wife Zoe about that this morning. I, I, I learned to operate out of my personality on a, what, what we called ready, ready, fire, aim. All right. <laughs> You're ready. And then you just go for it and see how it works out. And then you aim. You, you kind of you set it up. We so, we so did that. And yeah. the first couple of times we, and we really made some fairly significant corrections. Mm. But after that, it kind of stayed just the way that we had originally designed it. And then these brilliant men kept coming in from all over the country and saying, you know, I'll bet you we could tweak this right here. And we go, oh, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. And it kept kind of growing and evolving around the basic core that we had, that we had brought, yeah. brought yeah, to the originally. Absolutely. I, I want to just repeat that, that the, um, in, in many ways, the original script for the original training um, even during the first training, evolved dramatically. In fact, the story is that what we now call guts created itself. That guts was not part of the original. Um, we, we had men doing an affirmation. All of a sudden, they're doing deep, deep work. And 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 as Bill said, as men men would come and. I think the thing that the three of us did very well is men, men would come and say, well, why don't you do it this way? And we'd say, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's better. So the, the, uh, what we have now is uh, a, a collection of many men's input. And um, uh, I think my, I, we, we, if, it, if, it, if it was left to what we did in the first one, it would have died, <laughs> died right away. So. Yeah. Uh, to, to me that speaks to the importance of that collaboration and yeah. being open and willing to hear different yeah. ideas and and i and and honestly i've seen so many organizations just in my short time come and go they come with a lot of energy and 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 ferocity this fierce kind of uh mission driven uh energy and then two years later where are they i haven't seen them pop up again wanna, since the initial rise wanna, since we're here i want to uh, give uh um, kudos to uh, Bill because uh, Bill was the Bill was the guy who who had the idea and got us together, and in many organizations like you're talking about, Brandon, the the, the founder or the originator uh, mm-hmm. wants to uh, run things, mm-hmm. and and Bill didn't do that. Bill Bill worked we we worked as a, as a, literally as a team. And, and and the fact that he was the original founder didn't play at all. And as yeah. far as I'm concerned, it was like we were all. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm sure. I, I was, 
I was just about to say, um, <laughs> as uh, what you were suggesting, uh, Brandon, is that one of the things, one of the reasons that we have staying power is Rich Tosi. What he brought to the team was this masculine fierceness of his Marine Corps. And so this training is probably one of the fiercest trainings on the planet right now. And it still is after 35 years. And that's because Tosi uh, brought that part through. Mm. There's an authenticity in it that's just... It just—it's got that staying power. And had it been just me and Ron, it would have faded out as just a nice, another nice new age thing years ago. So, right. that's Rich right. Tosi, I say. And and speaking to that fierce energy, uh, yeah. You know, we spoke about how a lot of the the need that was coming up in you men was, was kind of kind of counteracting this idea, this identity of the soft male, which was forming mm-hmm. out of the '60s and the '70s which I'm sure naturally as we as humans do, we can swing from one extreme to another. And I'm sure there were a lot of people thinking that, oh, the Mankind Project, it's only for men. Is this an anti-feminist movement? Is this, are we going back to caveman days where men beat their chest and drag women by their hair into the cave to show how macho they are? Like speak to that. Cause I'm sure a lot of people were, were, were thinking initially. Yeah, you, yeah you we, we, we had, we, we had that, uh, that, that criticism. Thank you for, thanks for bringing that up. Um, not only were we not anti-feminist, we're, we're pro-women in a very, very strong way. Uh, as, as an example, um, after two years of us doing the warrior training, my wife and a couple of other women, right, uh, we sponsored them to go to a training and they started, and my wife started what is now called woman within. Right. Um, so, um, we were, um, were we, uh, we were and are very supportive of women and do not do, we're, we're not a men's right organization. We're, we're, we're for women. Um, and, I think that's an, that's important, and, and uh, the, the hundreds, if not thousands, of reports that I've heard of men who go through the training and then go back in, into relationship with a with a woman, and the woman says, "Wow, you know, mm. thank you, you know, thank thank you a thousand times." So, yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's almost like an indirect approach. It's like we, you know, we do our part for women by being better men. That's a, that's a good yeah, way once women started finding, Once they started finding these emotionally literate uh, men who are actually open to a transpersonal mission, like mm. beyond narcissism, they started showing up at our graduations just hoping. You know? Yeah, but, but it's a balance, right? <laughs> it's a balance of energies. It's not just, you know, well, every no, time yeah, 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 I'm going to lay on my right side and expose my belly so that you can, you know, basically become a supplicant it's actually no it's a balance between the feminine and the masculine of yes. first let me reclaim myself as a man not a little boy anymore but as a man let me figure that out first yes. and then let's let's see how this dance this polarity between mm-hmm. masculine and feminine can come about in relationship well with well family said. and yeah interesting very very neat because i've had that conversation with people all the time because i'm again i've I speak a lot to the Mankind Project and about the Mankind Project to people who haven't heard of it. And they go, well, why don't you do anything for women? And it's like, well, we do. We absolutely do. Yeah, that's a part of it. And guess what? There is women within. Let them do that. That's their, that's their thing, not ours. Well, right? they, the women need to do the same thing for themselves. Yeah. yeah. And be initiated by women, not yes. the opposite of, yeah. 
Absolutely. And so let's talk about kind of the timelessness of, of uh, initiation and why it's important. You know, I know on weekends we teach men about, you know, for generations, tribal cultures would, you know, the elders would initiate the young boys into manhood through trials and they would teach them about, you know, the dangers of the world and the many pains that they're going to go through in life, but also the subtle pleasures, right? And they would almost scar them as a reminder, give them a scar, a memento, something from the descent that they can take away with them and remember going forward. And then somewhere along the way, we kind of got out of that. It became initiation into fraternities, initiation into gang, you know, gang violence, or that, that kind of became the arena in which we could find some form of identity. So the question I have for you is, you know, how important do you feel it is that, that men, women, everyone in between has some form of initiation in their life, some form of journey that they descend into the kind of the deep, dark parts of themselves. Bill, what are your thoughts? Yeah. You know, we're social beings, so uh, we, we can't really operate uh, autonomously as humans. We actually need that, that, uh, that social blessing mm. that says, you know, you have done what you need to do. You are now a man. And that sounds almost squirrely, but it's so important. We have guys that used to come through the training and they'd be in a way in their fifties and sixties and say, I've been waiting for this all my life. You know, yeah. thank you for blessing me formally into manhood. I feel that I got it. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And, and these, and, and I've seen this happen time and time again with men that made it into the top fraternity. They're smoking the cigar at the boys club with the fellow executives. But then we find out, Oh, wow. At the age of seven, that man stopped developing emotionally because of this thing that happened. And now he's 60 and he's been perpetuating those same horrible things that happened to him on everyone else. And, and we're able to break a cycle in a sense through allowing them to reclaim their manhood, which is just, I mean, in a year like the year we've had where we haven't had any in-person new warrior trainings, it, it's, 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 it's really wild to think about just witnessing that happen right in front of our eyes when, when a man finally gets that moment. Yes. That blinding flash of the obvious of, oh my goodness, this is what's been missing in my life. And so today, you know, as we, as we round out 2020 and we're entering into 2021, there's a lot of change that has happened. There's a lot of adapt adaptation. There's a lot of evolution <laughs> naturally that we've had to go through to, you know, either survive or thrive as, as a species. What, what do you men hope for the coming generations what do you really hope for them as we kind of move through this era of confusion and this era of of divisiveness like just being split 50 50 right down the middle not just as a country but as through the entire world well i have some uh radical <laughs> radical thoughts so i'll throw them out there I believe what's uh, going on in, in the U.S. in particular and in, in much of the world, this divisiveness is, uh, is setting the stage for a, another major leap in our evolution. Mm. And uh, uh, it it's, seems unfortunate, but that's, that seems the way life evolves is when when there's a crisis and we see how things aren't working then 
So that's sort of the big picture. The, the smaller picture is uh, the role that MKP can play is by, by continuing to um, have programs that will create ma emotionally mature, um, morally mature, um, cognitively mature men who, uh, who see the top of the mountain and, and who understand where we need to go. And I think there are, are many men within MKP who, who, who can be part of the, the critical change that's necessary to get, to get mm -hmm. the world where, where it needs to go. So that's, that's my radical view. Well, I think, I mean, the other significant part of that is the social. And I, I <clears throat> totally, totally get that we need each other. And one of the things you mentioned earlier is that we indeed, we've got 10,000 men that sit in group every single week in about a thousand groups around the world. And there's probably a lot more than that. But that's one of the things I'm really proud of because those men are bonding and connecting socially. They have some sense of community. And what I kind of see going on right now um, in, in the larger picture is that the, the empire of the United States is kind of winding down and everything is in chaos. And that's just the way that kind of transition always happens historically over thousands mm -hmm. of years. So we are, you know, given this task of living through this uh, catastrophic change that's just going to happen. And if we have community, if we have somebody that we can talk to and tell our truth to and be with and feel supported, it's going to be just significantly easier. So that's part of the part of what we do that I, I find really important. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Great to hear. Great to hear both your views on that. It, as, as a young person, it gives me... Uh, a bit better of a bird's eye view to understand that right now this what's happening in the world can seem so crazy and, and, and it's starting mm -hmm. to think how can how are we ever going to get out of this but then yeah. to look back not even that far in history and go hey this has always happened some form of crisis in which new needs have popped up new problems have needed to be solved and then we inevitably rise to the occasion in some way and, and, and move forward together, which, which again, provides a bit more hope. And we just happen to be part of it this time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, we're, we're just re yeah, we're not just reading about it in text. We're actually the ones holding the pens, aren't we? So, well, man, to, to, to wrap things up before we, uh, before we say our goodbyes, I want to ask you, you know, say your, hmm, how do I want to phrase this? Okay. Imagine you're talking to a man in his 20s right now and like majority of the men in today's world, they may not have, uh, in my judgment, a well-rounded model for what it means to be a man. I say well-rounded, not in just in professional terms, not in just like dutiful, good citizen terms, but also emotionally, possibly thrown spiritually. And as we do in our 20s, we're just searching. We're just seeking, yes. trying to find some, some form of identity or sense of home within ourselves. What would, what, what would you say, and I'm going to ask you individually, to that man, if this was your last chance to say anything on earth, what would you leave them with? And we'll start with, uh, start with you, Bill. 
You, you, you nailed it. During the 20s, that's our, that's our task is to explore the world, to, to move around and to check out relationships and different work. So if that's what men are doing in their 20s, do it. I also want you to know that, that you are our children and grandchildren. So some of us have been working really hard most of our adult lives to create a base for you. So you're already emotionally literate, which by and large, I, I, when I meet young people, they already have what I had to work for decades to learn. So it's like you've already got to step up, keep up, keep up, keep with your search and find that, uh, find that, that community where you can settle down with your tribe and uh, just live a good life. Mm. And Rich? Yeah, so something along the same line. Um, I, I would tell a young man that it's important to develop spiritually, emotionally, and morally. I think that's uh, something we tend to overlook. And to, and to um, I like what you said, Bill, that there's been people working to create a base for you. Uh, but if I'm talking to a specific individual, I would say, you know, find, find somebody in particular, a man who, who emulates, who, who represents those qualities, a, a, a man and a community who, who you can, uh, who you can learn from. So I think the, the things we're talking about, we learn from each other, not from books. So yeah. be, be something like that. Mm. So what I'm hearing is uh, mentors are just sitting there waiting to be asked. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, um, there's a, a mentor of mine who you men most likely know, Dene Maria Sebastiana. Um, he's a, been a long time mentor of mine. And he said to me when I was at a bit of a crisis at the end of last year, he said, he goes, find, find men that, that model the characteristics and embody the energy that you want in your life. Mm-hmm. and sit with them, spend time with them. Don't even ask them anything. Just spend time with them. And then along with that is, where's your community? Where's your tribe? Where are the people that are going to not just support you and love you, but hold you accountable, fiercely hold you accountable with love so that they, they're essentially the whetstone to the blade as you sharpen it and you sharpen your sword in life. And, and I tell you what, just that formula alone has brought so many blessings in my life in the past year and and i feel blessed just uh being able to spend this time with the two of you today and i want to thank you both for for this this beautiful this beautiful thing that the that the two of you and and ron herring created you know it's blessed my life i can tell you right now that my relationship with my father officially began when i was nine years old and he initiated because before that it wasn't too pretty what was your father's first name bill bill clift Okay. Yeah. And, uh, he, yeah. So he, he and I were able to just, we're best friends today and I love that. And, and I look forward to being able to take those lessons from his journey as well as my own and get to pass it on to, uh, to my, my children going forward. So thank you men for the time, uh, that you spent with us. Thank you for your commitment and your giveaway in life. And, uh, yeah. Why don't you guys just take, um, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, share what's, what's one last thing you'd like to share to, uh, to myself and the, and the listeners before we wrap up. Go ahead, Bill. Well, you know, bless you, Brandon, for, you know, at your rather tender age, stepping up to do something really significant and big, like we have a show that shows up all over the world. Yeah, you're awesome. And uh, delighted that you and your father, you know, 
found each other and it touches my heart because oh my god if i can touch people around the world in this way still man that just feels so good so thank you thank you bill and rich yeah uh, <laughs> um, what brings tears to my eyes and it's almost doing it right now is seeing young men like you brandon find value in the work that was you know is, is very old um, um yeah it did it's choking me up so um that 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 there's some core in what it is that mkp stands for that it would attract men like you brandon and who, who want to keep pushing it forward so i'm deeply deeply grateful and made much love mm. thank you mm. thank you man interview uh to, to to be able to spend time with 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 two men uh that along with ron herring were responsible for not just my life changing but impacting millions of others was uh was wild and and guys i'm joined by boyson hodgson who's the marketing and communications director of the mankind project and without him none of this would have been possible he's the uh the man on the on the front of the front of the battlefield he's also behind the scenes at the exact same time put it piecing these things together so mate good to have you with us and let's just do a little breakdown of kind of what just happened thank you brandon yeah it was great to be a fly on the wall for that interview yeah no doubt no doubt so there's a couple things that 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 came up just in the chat section of uh while we're doing that interview just this understanding of you know initiation like how important it is that that people go through initiation outside of just what we know today as just like frat hazing or you know gang membership and and kind yeah. of rituals like that where we see a lot of people get hurt and and get wounded from those experiences and you kind of brought up this notion of conceal and reveal tell us about that yeah i think there was a there was a beautiful point where they were talking about what it was like way back when, and you framed it up with the the Robert Bly talking about the kind of soft man. And then we hear from Tosi, who is this, you know, stereotypically kind of hard man. And what came up for me is like, it's not about the soft or the hard. It's about what each of these men didn't have access to in his own life and in his own body is what he had concealed, what he had hidden. Mm. And, and Kauf said it, at one point he said, I got to learn from these guys and they got to learn from me. And this sense of, so what's the difference between a, you know, a gag initiation and a, a, a healthy initiation. And it came to me that like, well, a gang initiation, they're going to teach you how to hide more of who you are. Mm. They're going to teach you how to shove away more of who you are and get hard, get invulnerable, get, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And a true initiation is really about revelation. It's about revealing who we are to ourselves yeah. and other people. You know, I never thought about it that way. And I thought it was so interesting and so cool that that came to you in that moment of, of understanding that. And, and from my experience in this work is, is this is an unpacking. It's yeah. an unpacking process of kind of like peeling back the layers and going, wow. I didn't know that was in there. 
and 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 kind of the opposite for me growing up is what you would i guess bly would classify as a soft male i've i've learned my hard edge and it's fantastic i love it i always had this fear that if i brought out this hard edge that i that i thought i thought i knew was inside me i ended up finding out i did have it i thought it was only going to hurt people i thought it was only going to damage relationships because i'd seen other hard men go down in flames because of that right but through models of people like Rich Tosi, who I've seen be very effective in their hardness, it made me reconsider that that whole understanding, that whole notion. So, pretty cool that you uh, you put that spin on it, and you know how great to be able to spend time with you know two of the original founders of this work and actually hear from their mouths of how this all this kind of this wonderful intense crazy organization called the mankind project how it's all kind of come about yeah and what i get every time i've i've known these men for some time now and what i keep getting is that the timelessness of like if i could go back in time they were in their 30s they were in their 30s when they put all this together right Mm. what they were experiencing in the world even though the social context may have been very different what was real to them is their relationships, yeah. their kids, their work, how, you know, how healthy they felt they could be in the world. Hmm. And any, and I identify with that, right? That's where yeah. I was. So it's like, why not have a healthy, yeah. supportive, conscious community of men where yeah. we can all share across the generations mm-hmm. um, from different perspectives? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. I think if there's anything I took away from that is you got, you know, this huge organization and you've got Rich Tosi saying, Hey, I had six months experience when we even kind of started this thing. Right. And that just made me think that, Oh, it, there's so much more than to be said about just, you know, ready fire aim as, as Bill put it, you know, ready fire aim. Don't spend a year just working on the aim and trying to dial it in before firing. Just go in guns a blazing and see if you figure it out along the way. Just break it along the way, essentially. It's an it's an interesting thing. You brought up the perfectionist shadow, right? And yeah. the fear of looking stupid, mm. fear fear of failing. And you know, another mentor in the in the work, uh, Dave McLean, who's you know, fail fast. Fail fast, fail forward, keep failing. Keep failing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like just keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So um so for those listening, guys, Boyce and uh and I have been working together over the past year and a half, kind of putting together a string of interviews. We're up to fifty now of really an awesome slew of characters from so many different backgrounds, ethnicities, races, religions to just discuss some really interesting um, issues and challenges that are, that's facing mankind today. And so this isn't going to be the last time you hear from Boyson going forward. In fact, he's probably going to be coming in and doing a couple interviews himself, along with a couple other characters uh, other than myself uh, going to be doing some interviews and, and having some really interesting conversations. And if there's anything that we can promise you going forward that uh, with the mankind project podcast is this is not going to be, the typical conversation of yes love it tell us about success huh yeah image mask <laughs> what we're aiming for and i think what we've what we found a good little formula for in the past 50 interviews has been just let's just sit down take the masks off metaphorical of course get um, real let's just take them off and get real and let's have a real conversation 
And we hope you enjoy that format. We hope you enjoy that, that approach to this going forward. So uh, we love your input. We love your feedback. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review and a five-star rating. It's the best way that we can get not only this message in today's episode, but our message as a whole to help make the world a better place one man at a time. You're helping us with that mission in doing so. So, uh, boy, that's me. What about you, boys? Any final words? Yeah, welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, Keep listening and I hope you get something valuable. Absolutely. See you guys next week. This has been the Mankind Podcast produced in association with the Mankind Project USA. I have been your host, Brandon Clift, and I personally want to thank our guests for joining us today and imparting their wisdom from their experiences in this amazing journey called life. And of course, I want to thank you, the listener, because through your attention and your support, you make it a heck of a lot easier for us to let men out there in the world know that they are not alone and that there is more than one way to be a man. Special thanks, of course, goes to my incredible team, Marketing and Communications Director Boyson Hodson, Producer and Editor of this episode, Michael Russo, who makes me sound so much more intelligent than I actually am. So, of course, special kudos goes there. And if you've been enjoying the music throughout this episode and all of our episodes, check out Jim Donovan and the Sun King Warriors. I have links to them in the show notes. Now, the fee for this episode is simple. If you found gold and insights that you believe could benefit your loved ones and those you care about, be sure to share it with them. And of course, remember that life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. So long as we rip the pen out of fate's hand and become the author of our own story. So my friend, pick up the pen and we'll see you next week. Lots of love.